0: My name is Reagan Gillen, I'm one of the associate pastors here at Lover's Lane, and together with Scott, we co-pastor Thrive, and I'm very, very excited to be here this morning. Um, Those of you that are tuning in online, we're glad you're here too. Great morning to tune in, because it's a little cold this morning, right? It's April tomorrow, and it's cold. What's going on? I was teasing Scott that, um, you know, if we're not careful, all your weeds are going to freeze, which... I call your blue bonnets weeds <laughs> because I'm from Kansas, so. I mean, you get in like fields on like the side of the highway and take pictures. What is that about? I don't get it. You should go to Kansas where there's sunflowers. They're beautiful. Um, so I'm excited to be preaching in this sermon series. I finally recovered from my last sermon. I don't know if you we were here. I preached about four weeks ago, and I preached on this horrible, horrible topic about loving your enemies and it was terrible. It was just nonsense that we have to love those people. Um, but I finally recovered from that and trying to implement that, And so I hope you have too. And so this week, um, it's not going to be quite as challenging as that, but I think it will still hopefully kind of challenge us in, uh, in a small way, maybe a big way, depending on um, maybe just where you are in life. And so uh, this scripture, when I got it, I thought, oh, okay, fairly simple. I think I, I know exactly what direction I'm going to go with it. And then I started reading and I started praying and the Holy Spirit kind of led me in a different direction. And so we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians and I'm going to do something different. First of all, I'm going to jump right into the scripture, which is not always normal for me. And I'm actually going to read it twice, but I'm going to read it in two different translations. And one reason is that I find when I'm reading the Bible, especially maybe if it's a passage that I'm really familiar with, it's nice to look at a different translation because sometimes there may be just one phrase or one word that is different that really captivates me or maybe convicts me or makes me understand it a little better. And so that's just kind of an encouragement to you um, to kind of switch up the way you read your Bible or maybe you feel like you're kind of in a rut. Maybe pick up a different translation um, in your time because you never know. Something may really jump out um, of the page. So let's go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 Through 21. And the first version I'm going to read this morning is from the NLT, the New Living Translation. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is from a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Great translation. Let's read it again. So then, this is from CEB, by the way. So then, from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. So not you know, vastly different, but I think enough to kind of just give us a few different words to work with. So when I read this, again, this is something I'm very, very familiar with. I think um, often we talk about being this new creation, this new self. Your old your old ways have died once you claim Christ as your Lord and Savior. But as I was reading this, I immediately started to see how there was limits to it, which I think is okay. It's okay to read the Bible and say there's. I feel like this is kind of a limit. There's a little bit of limitation here because I love, especially in the Methodist tradition. We encourage you to use um, your mind a lot, your reason, your experience, all these things as you read scripture, to kind of get a, a better understanding of it and see how it lines up with today's times and just just who you are too. And so I read this. I go, you know, this. I feel like this has a limit because when I first read it at first glance, before I dig deep, I feel like we are be, we're just kind of looking at people. That claim to have a relationship with Christ So for today's times, that's a very limited population, really. We know that um, the biggest religion that has grown is agnostic. you know That's the biggest religion. And so it leaves out a huge population. and so my fear is that we may run into two problems when we read this scripture. And here's the two problems, I think. One we feel like we have the authority and the power to evaluate our brothers and sisters. So those that are included in the group, those that we would call are on the inside, we have the power and authority to judge them and evaluate them. Because, okay, we know that you've changed, so now let me tell you where all your missteps are. The second thing, which is more problematic for me, is that I feel like we feel that maybe we can completely discount Or maybe even be cruel to those who are on the outside. Those who have not claimed Christ. Those who have not been made into a new creation. We feel like maybe they don't matter as much. We can get really judgmental. So one thing that I was just reading in a commentary said, one thing you need to keep in mind when you read this, and it's good for us to always keep this in mind, is that just because we claim that Christ is, as our Savior, and all of that, doesn't mean that others that who don't, don't have worth. It was really interesting, it said, you know, sometimes we don't give value to those people because we think, oh, they're not good enough, they don't get it, they're such sinners, whatever. The list could go on and on. And we as Christians can never, ever, ever, ever forget that everyone is a child of God. We can never forget that. And I know you're thinking, I don't know, Reagan. I know some people I don't know if they are. (laughs) I think some people snuck in somehow. And I know it can be really easy to say, I just don't, I just can't see any goodness in them. I just can't see how they have something imprinted in them from God who is holy and loving and righteous. And maybe it's down real deep. But we can never get to a point to think that someone is less than. And we always have to remember that Christ died for every single person. Every single person, not a particular group, not just those that would claim that Christ is their Savior, but every single person. And for me, that is often hard to remember. So it's, I think this scripture can sometimes lean towards thinking that maybe others aren't good enough. And so I want you to read and think, no, everyone still has value. Just because they're on the outside doesn't mean that they automatically have no worth. So I do love, uh, as Methodists, we do believe that everyone has sacred worth. I love that about us. And so when we claim that Christ is ours and we are a new person, doesn't mean that we automatically think we are better than others. Any time that you think you are superior than someone is not Christ-like. I want to say that again. Anytime you have any sort of superiority, that is not Christ-like. And let me let go, go through the list. So any sort of mindset, whether it's based on color of skin, education, wealth, background, sexuality your last name or whatever. We are simply never better than one another. We are simply never better. Even if we are this new person who claims Christ and we have it all figured out, we're never better than one another. We are on equal ground. And I think it's really really important for us because some people try to put themselves in this place of authority or on this throne where we don't belong. We are all in this together. We are all in kind of the same boat. Okay, I want to move on, although I'm still technically on verse 16. Um, I won't linger. I'm not Scott. I'll, I'll move on. Um, <laughs> okay, so the other way that I feel like we can look at this and maybe mess mess it up um, is that I think, so we're, we're looking at the scripture that says, you know, we're evaluating people by these new standards and We've got all these brothers and sisters that are in Christ, and we're in Christ. We're all in this together. It's going great. But the problem is, I think we see others through, through our eyes, the way that we see Christ, the way that we understand Christ, the way that we believe, through our mindset, our perspective, who we are, what we believe. And so the problem is, I think we have in our heads often what a person should look like when they claim to be Christ. Whether we kind of realize it or not, we kind of have those preconceived notions. So maybe, I'm just, I kind of started making this list of maybe you think, okay, if you're a Christian, obviously, you vote Democrat. And be like, no, no. No, if you're a Christian, clearly you're going to vote Republican. And you're like, no, okay, so if you're a Christian, then you're going to be pro this. But no, 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 if you're a Christian, you're pro this, because that makes sense. Um, If you're a Christian, clearly you're going to live in a tiny house. You're going to be minimalist. You've you've sold everything because you know that you shouldn't store your treasures up here. That's what a Christian looks like. Or if you're a Christian, clearly you're going to be vegan because you need to take care of God's creatures. You know, you don't need to have any harm. You're all about not impacting the world too much. You definitely have a com- compost pile at your, in your home. Like, that's just how it is. Um, you only adopt animals. You would never ever go to a breeder if you're a true Christian. If you're a Christian, you have no tattoos on their side. If you're a real Christian, you have lots of tattoos. You have full sleeves, and all of them have a story about how Christ changed you, and it's all, it relates back to a certain verse or something Greek or something Hebrew, you know. Um, You only read Christian authors, you only listen to this certain kind of music, Um, you only watch these kinds of movies, you you have to be this way on an issue or this certain policy, or if you're a Christian, clearly you're marching in every march that is in this city. Like, we have some sort of model, we have sketched it out, this is what a Christian looks like. And I know it seems silly, but we measure people by our own personal beliefs all the time not necessarily by the words of Christ not by the Bible but how we read it how we interpret it and so we put this framework over people and we say this is your guide this is how we expect you to live as a Christ um, follower and so my question is how do we expect people to emerge as a new creation and a new person when we're basically just wanting to duplicate ourselves that's not a new creation that's already happened that's already been formed that's you See, I don't think that's what God wants. God has created us uniquely, and we all have different gifts and passions. And God doesn't want a world that looks that has full of people that look exactly the same and believe exactly the same. When we're different, we actually are much more effective and much stronger in bringing people to Christ. I bet if I were to ask a lot of different questions on different issues and topics or scripture or just theology in general, I bet none of us would believe exactly 100% on everything. Scott and I don't even agree 100% on everything. Because we all have different viewpoints of Christ. We all have different experiences and different upbringings and those just don't suddenly go away when we claim Christ. Those are still always a part of who we are. And so I think the process of becoming disciple, becoming a new creation looks very, very different. So my big Kind of question for you today is: Are we okay? Are we okay with someone becoming a new creation that doesn't look just like us? Are we okay with that? Can we let go of that? Do we have the freedom? So, for me personally, am I, can I say, am I okay if this person ends up not looking like me? And the answer should be yes, absolutely. And I have to, I have to confess that as a pastor. I have enormous stress. I have enormous worry. Sometimes I'm like, gosh, I hope I'm not just making people think exactly like me or believing just like me because that's not what I want. I don't want a room full of people that look just like me and think like me and vote just like me or whatever. Some pastors probably do want that. <laughs> I don't, just to clear the air. I really hope that when you come through these doors, you still got your brain on. We talk about that. And I hope that you are bold enough and that you're smart enough. You all are smart. I know that. You're smart. To think on your own, to disagree with me, to wrestle with things, and that you're not hanging on every word I say. I hope you're not. Please don't. (laughs) I think we forget that um, personally that we need to listen most of all to what the Holy Spirit is doing in us the Holy Spirit is leading us, how it's convicting us, how it's moving us, how it's changing us, much, much more than any person you read, any person you listen to, that needs to be the strongest voice And how you're evolving or being sanctified, how we say in the Methodist Church, how you're becoming this new person and growing closer to looking like Christ. Above all else, the Holy Spirit has to be the loudest voice. And I realize this is this is not easy to do. I know some of us think, well, I've got this figured out. I know what it looks like to be a good Christ follower. I know I, I know I am right on all these different issues and topics. I get it. I got it. I've nailed this. I need people to follow me. And that's not what God is asking. And that's also not our place. So we have to be comfortable with new, these, all these new creations actually being new and not looking like anyone else before. Okay, so my next kind of question is, are any of you those annoying people um, that don't have to like practice and they just pick up new things all the time, like they don't have to read anyone. Scott's like that, it's really annoying. Um, I I think it's fascinating how people can read things or look at one thing and then they remember it forever and they just know how to do it. For the rest of us, we have to practice, right? Learning something new is very hard. I do have to say that Scott has confessed (laughs) because <laughs> I tease him all the time. I'm like, why are you so good at so many things? Um, and he's like, well, I'm not good at sports. Like, I started sports, and I quickly realized I wasn't good, so then I just quit. I was like, oh, okay. So our kids need my athletic, athletic ability, which we're praying they do. Um, but so for most of us, learning something new takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of mistakes, all of that. And yet... I feel like when someone becomes a new creation or starts to follow Christ, we kind of forget that it takes time, that learning all of this is very, very hard at times. And so I think sometimes we can, can, we can accuse people, well, I thought you believed, I thought you're a new creation, I thought you let go of that, those old ways. Why are you still acting like that? Becoming a new person, becoming um, a new creation, letting go of things does not happen overnight. We have to understand this. And so I think we have to give people a lot more grace. We have to give them um, patience. We have to allow them to mess up. I think about when I get back with high school friends and stuff, how easily I kind of slip into, like, like my old ways. I don't know if you've been around, like, old groups of friends. You're like, oh, I, I'm starting to act like that person that I was 10 years ago. It can happen, happen very, very quickly. And so I think we have to keep in mind that people that are first putting their trust in Christ is gonna take them a while to get things. And we don't need to be rushing them or pushing them or accusing them. We need to let them figure this out. Because our old ways don't just fall away. They can sometimes haunt us for a long time. And sometimes we never, ever get rid of it. It's a part of who we are. But the scripture reminded me to be gentle, to be patient. Because sometimes I feel like people, they're not changing fast enough, they're not progressing, they're not believing, they're not getting it. I mean, I think about how impatient I am with uh, Andy Jane, who's, you know, a toddler. <laughs> but I'm like, why doesn't she get it? Like, how, how does she not know how to put on socks? Like, really? Is it that hard? It doesn't matter what foot they go on, just put them on. <laughs> Scott's like, she's three. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but she should just get this. But that's how we treat people, especially on certain issues. Where we're like, how do, they, how do they believe that way? How do they have that theology? And the thing is, some people are just slower. And so sometimes I think we have to be patient and realize maybe those people will come around. Maybe those people will meet us halfway. We don't know. We don't know what God is doing in them. I know for me, I've changed a lot in my theology in the last 10 or 15 years And what made it easier is that people weren't forcing me or rushing me to get to a certain point. They allowed me to figure out stuff on my own. And so for others, if we really want them to kind of own who they are, yes, walk alongside them, give them advice, give them wisdom. But for shoving things down their throat, they're not going to end up being that new person. They're going to end up looking like you. Another thing we have to realize is that some people will never look like you. Yes, some people maybe eventually will come around, but we have to be comfortable that some people will never come around to where we are. They will never believe exactly like we are. They will never meet us halfway. They will always think differently, and we're still called to love them. And sometimes we're still called to be in a relationship with them. Obviously, there's some relationships that are very toxic and, and harmful. We're not asking you to be in those. But there's some people that we're still called to love. There's still people we're still called to be with. So I never wants to get a point where we just throw our hands up and say, gosh, they're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. Because maybe God is just doing something new and different in them. And we have to have space and room for those people. I was really convicted lately. I heard a clergywoman um, talk about, you know, who's around your dinner table? What kind of people are around your dinner table? And she was Saying that because looking at maybe some new leadership, if we're interviewing someone, we want someone to have a really diverse table. And I thought about who comes to my house a lot. I'm like, hmm, they look like me, they talk like me, they believe like me, they vote like me. And I was really, really convicted. I feel like I don't make space for people that maybe think differently than me. Uh, One podcast that I really, really like is called Pantsuit Politics. I don't know if anyone listens to that. Um, But I love it. It features Sarah on the left and Beth on the right. And what I love about it is that they tackle, obviously they're talking about politics, but they're smart, they're witty, respectful, unbalanced, and I can't recommend it enough. I love that one of them will say something and the other one will say, you know, I disagree with that. And then they'll go on and say, but it's so respectful. And so they... they, um, recently wrote a book called, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Still Listening. And I think it's such a clever title because I think we just shut down with people. We think differently, so I don't have space for you. I don't have room for you. And I feel like that really limits what the, um, the Christian body can look like. The majority of this passage also talks about reconciliation, which I think is really, really important. And one thing as a preacher, I said... You know, I'm never going to punt to what the dictionary says, what a definition is, but I'm actually going to do that today. And so uh, when I was looking up what it means, it says, restore friendly relationships between, cause to coexist in harmony, make or show to be compatible, make one account consistent with another, especially by allowing for transactions begun but not yet completed. See, Christ came to restore what was broken, And what was lost between us and God. And also help restore relationships between people. So I think it means breaking down walls, learning to forgive, learning to say sorry, and making space for people that maybe look different than you. I do believe God wants us to coexist in harmony. And maybe that's, you see the coexist bumper sticker and you're like, that's so (laughs) hippy-dippy. But I think God does call us to live together in unity in one way or in one, you know, shape, one form. It doesn't mean we have to believe exactly the same. We know that. And I love that it says compatible because we know that doesn't mean the same. Again, we don't want people to believe exactly the same. I don't think that's honest to who we are. And I love the last one that says allowing transactions begun, not yet completed. So thinking through the whole scripture, I believe that none of us have arrived at our full newness. We're still changing. We're still being made new each and every day. I hope you are. I hope you've kind of looked back in the last five years you're like, yeah, I have changed on things. My perspective has changed. My beliefs have changed. See, we're not done, and thank goodness for that. I hope I'm not done changing today. I really, really want to be made into a new creation every single day. And so I hope that brings you hope, personally, especially for those that you think, gosh, they're so frustrating. They're never going to get there or whatever. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But remember that you are changing, too. You're evolving. If God is moving in your life, you're going to be changed and rocked. And there's things that are going to hit you. And you're like, oh, I've never thought of that before. See, I love that Jesus Christ convicts us and comforts us and allows us to still be who we are, but kind of in a different way. And I'm so glad, especially at this church, I'm so thankful for Lovers Lane, that we have such a wide group of people, a wide group of beliefs. I love that no one is forced, at least I hope you feel like that, that no one is forced to believe a certain way. They're like, no, you have to check all these boxes in order to be a Christian. You have to check all these boxes to be um, a leader in our church. You have to check all these boxes to be a Methodist. I love Methodist because we believe so many different things. And yet we come together knowing that Christ is our Lord and Savior. And so for me, this, this scripture was really good news for me. Really good news for me this week. That I realized I'm not done I'm not done changing, I'm not done being made new, and also that I need to make space for people that don't look like me and don't think like me and don't believe like me. So take heart. You are new. You are new. And you're being made new every day. And you have a long, long way to go before you can arrive. And that is good news for us all. So will you pray for me, or pray, well, you should pray for me, Um, but let's pray together this morning. (laughs) Let's pray. God, I am so thankful, first of all, that you are patient with us. This scripture reminded me so much of really how faithful and patient you are with us, that you allow us to stumble and make mistakes and get things awfully wrong at times, but that you stay with us. I pray that we could be people that stay with others and that are in relationship and in community with people that look different and think differently and vote different. Because I really do think we're better and stronger together. I'm so thankful that there's just not one way to be a Christ follower. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so incredibly thankful for that. That you are not a God that forces us to be a certain way that you are gentle and compassionate with us. I pray that everyone in this room um, can be moldable and can be teachable so that we could become more and more like your son. And also that we would have the perspective and the eyes to have patience and love for those that are different than us. I also hope that we can continue to reconcile and be in better relationship with one another even when it's really hard. Thank you for being the example and the teacher and the model for us. It's in your name we pray.